Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle <laughs> Connection Podcast. Today is a Q&A episode. I have three questions I'm going to answer. But first, just want to go over some ways that you can help support the podcast. First, uh, if you could, if you find this podcast useful or if you, you've learned a lot from it, um, if you could leave a rating and review, that obviously will help you know more people see that it is a podcast that can be helpful, especially with all the uh, fitness podcasts out there. And um, obviously, if it's been helpful for you, you know, it could be helpful for somebody else as well, too. So that would be appreciated. Next, uh, if you could, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Jeff H91 underscore. That's where I'm most active and spend most of my time and spend more like do most of my content through there. Uh, then I have my email list. Uh, again, with that, I just send out content, especially if you aren't on social media, that can be a great way to uh, stay up to date with my con- uh, content and whatnot. And you can do that through my uh, the show notes. The email list is in there. And lastly, I have my one-on-one online coaching service. And what I do there is I help people build muscle, lose body fat, so you can look good and feel good in your swimsuit. And also, you know, there's always you obviously get a training program, you, you get a, a nutrition protocol and whatnot. But I always find that for clients, it's always the most what you get the most out of the coaching is you get you figure out what your bottlenecks are from keeping you from seeing results, right? That's what's going to keep you from, it's usually things beyond like your macros or your training program that's causing you to spin your wheels. It's usually something from the mental side of things or maybe your lifestyle. And so I take a 360 approach and we focus on those things as well too, because they are very important. So if you feel like you're spinning your wheels and you just want to look better in your swimsuit, fill out the link. Uh, The application is in the show notes, but you can also find out you can see what other uh, other client transformations and just find out more about the one-on-one online coaching service uh, in the show notes as well. So with that out of the way, let's dive into the questions for today. So the first is during fat loss, I hit my protein goal and should, should I hit my protein goal and go over cows or fall short on protein to hit calorie goal? So in fat loss, number one goal is we need to be in a calorie deficit. Okay. So it doesn't matter what your protein's at. Again, we know protein, carbs, and fats make up your calories, but at the end of the day, you have to be in a calorie deficit to lose body fat. So for fat loss, your number one, your cow goal is priority number one when you're in fat loss. And again, your calorie goal is what's going to determine the energy balance that you're in. So whether you're trying to gain weight, maintain weight, or lose weight, that calorie balance, that the calorie number is going to be more important than what those calories are made up of via your macros. Okay. So for fat loss, that is your number one priority is your calorie goal. So if it happens sparingly, just take your calorie goal and take the loss on protein. Um, again, so long as you're not going just super crazy low with protein, this is why with clients, I give them a range, right? I don't have it be this exact number because I feel like it really sets you up for this pass or fail mindset. And I like to set a range because really at the end of the day, you just want to be within a range. And then on with protein, you know, when you're in a fat loss phase, we probably do want to keep protein at around one gram per pound of body weight, but you have a little bit of wiggle room there and you can um, go a little bit lower than that. Maybe go a little bit higher, whatever it may be. And, and, 
I just recorded a podcast yesterday. We'll be out in a couple of weeks with Eric Trexler. And we talked all about protein and some misconceptions around protein in terms of like how high you have to go with it. But look, if, if you hit your protein goal most of the time and you have one day where you're a little bit low in a fat loss phase, just take the loss on it. Hit your calorie goal because that's what's going to be more important, right? If you hit that protein goal and then it causes you to go over in calories and now you're closer to your maintenance, well, over time, if you do that enough, that is going to cause you to your weight to plateau and you won't see the fat loss that you want to see. So again, if it happens sparingly, just hit your calorie goal and take the loss on protein. Now, if that's something that happens regularly, then that is going to you know play a bigger role here. So uh, if it is something that's happened often, then it's a sign that you need to plan things out better moving forward. Okay. Because if you find that you continue to miss out on your protein goal, and then it's like you have to choose between either protein or calories, that just that tells me that you're probably a reactive tracker. And what I mean by that is you track as you go and you don't really have a plan to your day. And that's where I find that people get themselves into trouble with the protein and they have to make that tough choice of either taking the loss on protein or hitting or going over uh, their calorie goal and, and hitting protein. So um, if this is you, I would make sure you plan ahead and have some sort of uh, and make sure you have some sort of plan for your protein for the day. And again, it doesn't have to be down to every single mac, every last macro calorie that you're going to eat for the day, but maybe you just have a plan for, Hey, this is the protein that I'm going to eat for the day. So that way you have a good idea of, you have at least have a plan for your protein. But like I said, this usually is a problem that people have when they, when they just kind of track as they go. And I think that can work for a little bit of time, but you know, if you're trying to hit a goal here, I think you need to plan ahead. So that would be my thing. So just to sum it up, in this situation, if it happens sparingly, just take the loss on protein, hit your calorie goal, because that's going to be most important for fat loss. You need to make sure that you're in that calorie deficit. So we don't want to go over on calories to hit our protein. But if it does happen regularly, uh, this is just a sign that you need to plan ahead better and, and plan out your day a little bit better. Next question is how to progress in a mesocycle volume-wise after deload. Um, some thoughts here. So Basically, just a few things here. Mesocycle is just basically like a phase of training. You know, think of this as like a four to eight week cycle of training. Uh, deload is a period of time where we just kind of dial back on intensity, volume, whatever it may be, right? And so typically how it works is we'll have a client be in a training phase for about four to eight weeks. They take a deload, then they go into a new training phase, mesocycle, whatever you want to call it. So I would say first, this is very dependent on things like how high your volume was. Okay, so if you're going really high training volume, that's going to be... Uh, that will change a little bit, but also uh, your your training age too. If you're somebody that's fairly new to training, I wouldn't necessarily worry. Of, like I would just keep kind of progressing. Like I would progress for four to eight weeks, deload, just start progressing again because you don't necessarily need to be in more of that wave fashion here that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But if you're somebody that's been training for a while, you'll probably have to be in a little bit more of a faith, uh, a wave like fashion. And what I mean by that is. You know, four to eight weeks, you finish that last week of the, the mesocycle, the training phase, you know, really tough week of training, um, volumes higher, weights higher, whatever it may be. You deload, you kind of detrain a little bit. And then that first week, what you don't want to do is go straight back into what you were doing before. Now, again, if you're newer to training within your first like six months to a year, you probably can just keep progressing. But as you get stronger and whatnot, like you do have to ha have this be a little bit more wave-like. So what I do here is I'll start week one around the numbers from week three to four, you know, assuming it was like a five to week mesocycle, right? So say you had a five to week, five to six week training phase, 
you know, I would go back to week three or four numbers and start there for the new training phase, right? And now you can see where you're going to start to see that wave-like fashion come in. Um, and then you go from there and start progressing. In that first week after deload, you just don't want to go straight into super tough training. Uh, I see this happen a lot. Again, when you first get started training, not a big deal. But as you get more advanced, again, if you just finish your training phase in like a, you know, zero to one RIR, like you're really pushing it, then you deload and then you go back to that again. It's like, you're going to really have a hard time progressing. Um, you're probably going to fatigue way quicker. You're going to need to deload quicker. Um, you're going to need to deload way more often. You're going to increase your injury risk. Um, so we want to be careful with like going straight into super tough training in that first week. So that's why I would say go back a couple weeks of, of, of the last training cycle. But in that first week or two, you need to ease into it and you need to build a foundation. Um, think of this as, you know, if you go straight into where you were progressing before uh, in the last week of a cycle, and then you go straight into that number again, you know, it's going to be really hard to progress. Um, and so, and like I said, the injury risk increases. So you just want to make sure that we go back a couple weeks, that first week of training should not, it shouldn't be a deload, like your intensity should be there, but it also shouldn't be super tough training. You need to ease into it. So that way you get that baseline for this new phase and you can continue to progress because the worst thing would be you go super hard, you go zero to one RIR in that first week. And it's like, where do you go from there? Right. Um, so that's kind of my rule of thumb there with it. Is this a hard rule? No. Um, but I think if you start with week three to four, you're going to be in a good spot, um, uh, with your training. So last question of the day, how to get better at pull-ups can only do two to three. And apparently I'm all arms. Well, I mean, you definitely need your arms for uh, pull-ups for sure. But, but yeah, let's talk about this. So my first thing here is I would use the assisted pull-up machine uh, to get in the volume we need to get good at pull-ups because part of it is probably strength's not there. Um, you, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the other big thing is you just you need to learn how to do pull-ups. You need to get good at the skill of pull-ups and the assisted pull-up machine is going to help you get good at the skill of it. And it's going to, you're going to be able to get in enough training volume that you need uh, to, to get good at it and get stronger at it as well too. Um, plus, I mean, that, that machine is going to really help you uh, build muscle in your back as well too. So that would be the first thing I would do is incorporate some assisted pull-up machine. Um, so that way, again, you can work on that eight to 12 rep range, build some muscle and get really good at the skill of pull-ups because that's, you know, it's, it's obviously strength and muscle is part of it, but the skill part of it is a big, is very important. And if you're just doing two to three pull-ups at max effort every single time, it's like, you're not really going to get good at the skill of, of pull-ups. You're not really going to be able to develop that skill. Um, and it's going to be really hard for you to continue to um, progress from there. So that'd be the first thing is use the assisted pull-up machine. Um, I love it. You can use different grips, right? Whatever grip you want to get good at in the pull-ups, that's what you would practice, but you can also switch it up as well too. Next is I would continue to build strength slash muscle in your back. So, you know, pull downs, lat pull downs, rows, like just build overall strength in your back because you're going to need to be able to build your back is going to play a big role in that. And I feel like a lot of people don't develop their back enough anyway. So really continue to just get strong in your back and just continue to build muscle uh, back there as well too, in your back, uh, your back muscles, your lats, um, rhomboids, upper back, et cetera. Next, just keep adding overall muscle, keep getting stronger overall, like it, with everything you just need to add, continue to add more strength and losing some body fat too. Um, you know, there's, there's two things going on here. If, if you can't do a pull up, obviously the skill of it, like they talk about strength is going to be key, but also your body weight too. If you're, um, carrying extra, extra body fat, you don't have as much muscle as you should, like, it's going to be really tough to, to do pull-ups because you have to pull up your body weight. So continuing to get stronger, building more muscle, and then over time, do these cut, you know, do these phases of cutting, adding some muscle, et cetera. Um, and then over time you'll get strong enough. You'll, you know, you keep 
building up your back muscles, you get stronger back there. You use assisted pull-ups to actually do to actually practice pull-ups. And over time, you should be able to, to do pull-ups. Now, this is a this was a, a female that that asked this, and I will say pull-ups are very challenging for females just because generally they just you, uh, women have less muscle in their upper body. Uh, they're not as strong in their upper body compared to their lower body. Um, and so you just, you have that going against you where it's like, you do have to, you're basically asking a weaker part of your body to pull up the stronger part of your body and whatnot. So it is just more challenging in general for women to do pull-ups. Um, so keep that in mind, but if you do those things, you should be able to, uh, get to the point to where you can do pull-ups and it's just, it's not going to happen in like two months, right? It's going to take time. This building muscle takes time. Building strength takes time. Continuing to recomp adding muscle losing body fat like that's going to take time um so just give it time uh but if you do these things over time you will be able to do a pull-up so that's it for this week guys if you have any questions let me know um as always uh on instagram every monday wednesday sometimes friday i do q a so if you want me to come on here and answer your question you know send it over um, on instagram as well when i do these so that's it for now i'll talk to you guys soon Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at JeffH91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.